HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in Three. I, I think we should realize that we more or less have a broken food system. When 800 million of us go to bed hungry, uh, 600 million are obese, uh, we waste 30% of our food, then something is fundamentally wrong. We'll introduce you to one food waste solution happening in Asia. They introduced this system where residents were issued an electronic ID card that would open an automated bin and enable them to weigh the food waste being dropped off. And then they would be charged, you know, in a certain amount of money yep. for the weight of that food. And we'll take a look at some of the real struggles happening closer to home. How is it possible that a meal that was perfectly fine to consume at 10.59 p.m. then becomes waste at 11 p.m.? So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio. Got a special show today. It's October 23rd, 2018. And we're, and we're talking with some of my favorite old school Good Beer Seal beer bar owners in New York City. We got, let's guys introduce yourselves because you're my buddies. Uh, Kirk Struble, 4th Avenue Pub. Jen Maslanka from the Spring Lounge. Bobby Gagnon from The Gate. And the reason we're here is that we've got a... Uh, the brewer from Anchor in San Francisco. Hi, I'm Scott Ungerman, brewmaster at Anchor Brewing. And he's brought some uh, beers for us to taste. We're going to taste from Anchor Steam to the, the new uh, Christmas ale that's going to be released very soon. And I thought it was a good good reason to get uh, some of the old school beer bar guys together and uh, get together with an old, uh, old school beer brand, you know. Bobby, um, on the way in, you, you said that you've, you've saved all the... Handles from how many years of, of Anchor? We or opened. Anchor, you have Anchor Christmas sale handles, or the Anchor Christmas yeah. sale handles uh, were. I mean, the the label is unique every year, and the handles were also specific to the label. And uh, I have every handle from '97 to the present. So you've, well, you've not always 2018 had, yet. You've always had Anchor Christmas on draft. Every year, yeah, every season. That's amazing. Awesome. And what about you, Kirk? Do you, do you have any anchors on draft right now? Uh, yes. I don't hoard tap handles like Bobby does, but uh, <laughs> I, I have Anchor Steam currently on draft at 4th Avenue. I'm pouring the porter at uh, Amsterdam Alehouse uh, currently. Nice. So two of my favorites. And what about you, Jen? 
Uh, I've actually got an Anchor Liberty Ale en route. Wow. All right. Hmm. Well, that's cool. So, Scott, I just wanted you to know that these guys uh, know your beer, and uh, they're pretty right. knowledgeable I for a New York that, City beer scene. I think that means we got to do this. <laughs> nice. Nice. So you've kind of got an order of how you want us to taste your beers. And yeah, I, I, I always like to start with Anchor Steam beer. You start with the first, right? This is the original. You know, the story... The story dates back to gold rush times um, when you talk about steam beer in California. But um, the the modern story really starts in 1965 with Fritz Maytag and um, his reviving the brand that is Anchor Steam and and saving the style of beer. Steam beer is is a unique style of beer that that really only only we can make the way we make it. We make a you know a a beautiful caramel colored lager beer that's fermented in an open fermenter at warmer temperatures and it is uniquely Californian in and uh, you know just this this amazing unique flavor and um, you know I was wondering about the anchor steam the steam beer do you think that's derived from like a Kolsch you know or German style like yeah it's ale? It, it, I, I don't know that it's Kolsch so much as um, it's definitely German brewers who came over to San Francisco um, and and started the brewing culture there, um, and they they brought lager yeast with them. They found a different climate, no caves, no ice, and had to improvise. They cooled in cool ships on the roof. The moniker "Steam Beer" stuck. Um, they used indigenous barley, you know, things that were grown out on the west coast, and and um, malted there, and had more caramel malts, more more color to it to the beer more flavor and uh that warmer fermentation you know it's not it's not the same as a kolsch because a kolsch is really a different style of yeast but it's a lager yeast you know given a different treatment it's great man it's, just, it's i've been awesome. i read the the tom acatelli's book audacity at hops hmm. and uh so I, I i know the story of anchor and fritz maytag um but this is great sitting with you and uh anchor steam man kirk yeah, actually, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I'd never been to Anchor uh, until a year ago in November. Uh, of all the brewery trips I've been on, uh, just never was able to make it out there. And uh, what a tour. It was great and uh, very informative. And then at the end, we just you know, drank a bunch of beer. And now you guys have the, uh, the public taps down the, yeah. down the street, which was kind of a cool, uh, you know, place to venture to and, and just try some of the more you know kind of esoteric styles that you guys are brewing and it was uh very impressive yeah it was a it was a good time so you came last november yeah i was said? there yeah. last november yeah and that was public taps had opened um just a year ago it, yeah we had our one-year birthday uh on sunday so, still had that new bar so smell. it was yeah it was brand spanking new yeah. and that's an amazing thing about our story and you know we've we've been anchor brewing in san francisco since 1896 um We've never had a pilot brewery mm. and never had a bar where we could sell to the public directly until wow. last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. 121 years. And uh, we finally figured out that that was a good business model. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone um, else has figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, and we, we yeah. led in a lot of things, but in that we followed. Yeah. Um, and it's been really successful for us. It's been awesome, you know, to have that. You know, I call it a playground, but it's an incubator. Mm-hmm. It's it's an innovation. You know, it's where you start everything. And actually, the the last beer that we're going to taste today is uh, a direct product of that. 
So I think I think that we'll the, considering that Anchor has innovated pretty much everything else, that the tap room coming late is forgivable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Anchor Steam it is exciting. I remember the first bar I worked at in the '90s. Anchor Steam they had three taps back then, and Anchor Steam was was a standard that they would never never take away. Um, there's a lot of there was a lot of loyalty to it. How how's it how is it hap- these days with so many different tap lines? And how many how many bars have you been taps? in with three taps? Not not many Nothing, in a long right? time. <laughs> yeah, and and you know there were a lot of bars in San Francisco with three taps, and we were one of them. Um, now we're one of twenty. So you do simple math, um, one of twenty, and that's on average. I mean, you got places with thirty-six and seventy-two taps and all that, uh, you know, and and beyond. And um, so we're still out there in a lot of places, but definitely the velocity per account. As you guys, how many taps do you got? Uh, let's see. Fourth Avenue has twenty-seven. Yeah. yeah. How about you? I only have twelve. Okay, and you. And- 24. Yeah. And so I'm I'm proud to be one or two of those. Happy, happy to be there. But, you know, there were so many bars where there were three or six or eight, Mm -hmm. you know, was a pig. And and we were one of them. And um, that that business model doesn't exist anymore. That's not what's out there. People want, and and you guys know it, they want new and they want local. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they want to know what's new, that's what they ask, and they want to know what's local. Mm-hmm. And you can only be new once, and you can only be local in one place. Yeah. And I mean, right. certainly we're not local here. We are the OG. We know we hold that reverence, and, and we got to you know, let people know that. And, and you know, the, the other thing is, I mean, you're holding this beer in your hand right now. This beer is just eminently drinkable. Mm. And it goes great with food. Yeah, it's delicious. And with so many different foods. This is like, if you want to have a beer with your meal, have an Anchor Steam. If you want to have a beer in between IPAs, have an Anchor Steam. Um, cleanses your palate. It's it's just balanced and, and drinkable, you know, and, and that's our hallmark. That's what we that's what we try to do. Um, but yes, to answer your question, it's 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 tough out there. <laughs> but the beer is good. It's super fresh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do people get excited when they see Anchor Steam? It still has a following for you guys. I think so. I think there's a in the past few years there's been. Um, a trend towards going back to more traditional styles and classical styles as much as, you know, we all know everyone is sort of still on the juicy IPA train. At the same time, a lot more people are going back to drinking pilsners, drinking lagers, drinking simpler things. Even even something like sours, people still want more of a simple sour, not it's fermented with 75 different kinds of, you know, wild yeasts and um, and so I think for for beer like Anchor, which you know th- that brewery really does encapsulate the best of the the classic beer style. Yeah, I want to give you a shout out, and so Scott knows more about you. Um, you're at a classic bar. It's a bar, Spring Lounge. You got Fireman. It opens at 8 a.m. And, and a couple years ago, Kirk ran this great little campaign I stand with Spring Lounge because he wanted you to get this well, we had the Good Beer Seal Award yes but you know, you made a post recently and this is this sign sums up uh, what, what you guys did it said Janet from Janet Spring Lounge it makes me super proud to see my local fireman friends around the bar drinking IPAs a few years ago they were all drinking Bud Lights I like to think I played a small part in that shift 
That was a pretty cool statement. Yeah, well, it was it was very genuine in the moment. I walked upstairs from my little hobbit hole in the basement, and uh, I see you know three or four of my firemen friends, you know, who are at the house around the corner, and they literally are all sitting there with cans of sip of sunshine, or I had a half acre fluorescent on tap, or they all had pints of that, and I just and the. Um, the day before had been another like a memorial service for a bunch of firemen so I had another bunch of firemen in a lot of older school guys and those old school guys are very classic they drink Bud you know Bud Light even they were all sitting around with just pints of craft beer and I it's not that we don't offer Bud and Bud Light but I was just shocked that that was their shift and their go-to and I even have a couple firemen who regularly you know they text me they're like hey have you tried this beer? Uh, I, you know, I just had this IPA. It was really amazing, you know? <laughs> and it's it's cool. I, You know, Bobby yells at me for saying this, but I always said we were kind of a crossover bar, and I, I do th- like <laughs> I to think... I used to yell at you for saying uh, You used to yell at me. I like to think that we open those doors to people who maybe wouldn't, you know, just jump into craft beer. You're, you're a pretty good representation of, of where the market is now. People are wet, willing to ex- experiment. And- they really are. People, you know, as long as, you know, for us, for me particularly, when I look at my draft lineup, I try to just keep, I try to keep it simple. You know, I'll throw on something esoteric once in a while, but if it's something I'm interested in, if it's a new brewery I'm interested in, but for the most part, I, what's a good representation of a style? That's why it's funny. When I think about pouring Anchor, most often I'll pour it up pour either Porter or Liberty because I mean I number one just love those two beers so much but they are just such good classic representations of what those styles should be you know right now when you poured the anchor steam I haven't had it in a long time a few weeks ago uh, one of the guests brought on a fest beer an Oktoberfest beer Mm -hmm. the same same reaction where I was like wow this is so refreshing and and delicious compared to it wasn't extreme in any ways yeah it's a it's a nice balanced lager um, it's got that caramel malt note, but it, it it's got a it's got a bitterness of around 30, 33 IBUs. You know, right? It's enough to know you're you've got hops in it, but the hops aren't punching you in the nose at all. It's not dry hopped. It's all kettle hopping, all whole cones, all malt. You know, it's it's a it's an old school um, classic. And the, those two beers you just talked about, Porter and Liberty, you realize those are like in our history two of the seminal beers. I mean, Porter was Fritz's first innovation. Mm -hmm. So he bought the brewery in 1965, and they made two styles of beer. Anchor Steam, Anchor Steam Dark. Anchor Steam Dark was Anchor Steam with... Uh, like a black malt extract. He killed that brand. He didn't like it. Um, And then he wanted to make a dark beer that was all his own, and he devised Porter in 1972. Imagine that. He bought the brewery in 65. took him seven years for his first innovation. And you think about a new brewery today is is basically on a one a week yeah, cycle definitely. so yeah. seven so days can't even keep up yeah. we, did, we just met a guy from Norway the Hamburger <coughs> Brewery recently, and he said that even though the, the names on the label stay the same every batch of every beer is a different recipe yeah. everybody's wow. changing everything all the time I mean that's 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 that new that I was talking about that people people crave new and so you, you gotta bring new but it, back then you know the, the interesting thing to me is is looking at it through the historical lens of where was America in beer in 1965 and then in 1975 when Liberty Ale came out those that 10 year decade 
it was a sea of homogenous loggers, right? They were all, I mean, Schmitz we and forget. Schlitz and Pabst and uh, Wiedemanns and, uh, you know, the, it goes on and on. The, uh, Bud Miller Coors, all that, all just homogenous golden lagers, right? That's what America drank. Fritz made this quirky little beer called Steam Beer out on the West Coast, and when it was time for him to innovate, what did he do? He went the opposite direction from the mainstream. He made a porter in 1972. Crazy. And and he went to England to research porters, and there weren't any. They were dead there, too. Wow. So he came up with his own uniquely American recipe to make Anchor Porter. And we've been making it the same ever since. It's amazing. And it's You've delicious. got the same recipes going. Yeah. And Liberty Dale's the same, uh, different story, but, but the same concept that three years later when he wanted to innovate again. So, you know, seven years for the first one, three more years, 1975, the America was all hyped up on... Uh, the bicentennial coming in 76 and in 75 on april 18th it was the 200 year anniversary of paul revere's ride and so that's when he brewed the first liberty ale he was inspired by a british concept once again it's interesting that the anchor roots you know first of we start with german brewing roots but then when fritz went to innovate even though he had german background he went to england and so porter was an english style Liberty Ale was a pale ale, a, a dry hopped British pale ale. Nobody was dry hopping. Not in England, not in America. I was Fritz just thinking about that, that today that I, mean, I was like with, with dry hopping being, I mean, every single keg that you get on your email list so is like pop the next double dry hop oh, yeah. this, double dry Time hop to pop that. The next one. I was thinking, I was like, you know, Anchor Liberty was is the original dry hopped beer. And meanwhile, it, it, it doesn't get that recognition that it should for 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 having innovated that yeah, way. Yeah, it is, it is truly the first American IPA, um, mm. even though it, by today's standards, it's certainly not an IPA, it's but a it's, ale, it's, yeah. a, it's a pale ale. Um, but it's a dry hop pale ale. And Fritz had to invent the method of dry hopping. There was nothing, there was no practice. He, he saw it in books, you know, and, and he was going, you know, 18th century methods. And, and that's what he did. So speaking of dry hopping, this year's Christmas ale nice. is actually dry hop. That's the one thing I'll tell you about the recipe is that we've we've gone back to dry hopping Christmas ale. We were waiting for this beer. I yeah, thought this whole show was going to be about Christmas ale, but it's kind well, of fun. Here it is. We I had to start with steam. You yeah. always start mm-hmm. with steam. That is our story. Here, pass that over. There's plenty. Of well, I will say just there's plenty. There's it's nice to do a show about yeah. kind of like an, an old school, uh, you know, <coughs> legacy brand and, and Kirk. Um, we didn't hear from you too much. Uh, there's there's some other legacy brands that, that you keep carrying, and you don't you don't have just one bar. You've got Fourth Avenue Pub. You got like yeah. eight bars. I mean, we pour Sierra Nevada quite often. I mean, that's another one that just comes to mind. You know, it's been around for a while. Um, I mean, speaking of Anchor, I just you know just to go back for two seconds. When I first moved to New York, it was like 20 years ago. There was a spot on the Upper East Side uh, called the Kinsale, and they had Anchor Liberty on draft. And I would always bug my friends, "Oh, let's go to Kinsale. Let's go to Kinsale." Like, why do you want to keep on going to that bar? I'm like, "Well, the only one. It's the only bar I can get like halfway decent beer." At. <laughs> like, I know they have Anchor Liberty on draft. I can go there and get that. Um, in terms of the other brands that are still around, you know, uh, Sierra Nevada, like I said, is one that we pour, you know, quite often. You know, pale, we have pale ale on draft at Third Avenue, um, and then I kind of mix and match some of the other places. So, yeah, but I mean, they're classics. So, Matt, just bring up some kind of uh, cheers or something, because this is the, the first time we're tasting the Anchor Christmas Ale for 2018. So and we'll take a short break. Cheers. Be back in a few minutes cheers. on Beer Sessions Radio. Thank you, Scott. All right. 
So we'll just take a sh My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check us out. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It's a good time to, to be a member. You can donate at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So, Scott... Uh, from Anchor, we just poured the Christmas Ale 2018, and it's pretty exciting. Thanks for uh, coming to, on air with us. Is, has it been released yet? Um, or this is like a special We traditionally release the beer on November 1st, so very, very soon it should be available um, kind of everywhere. Some people do tend to put it out a little early, but... We, we, our our whole thing is let's let's not talk about Christmas until after Halloween. <laughs> but there's there's some history. So like Bobby said that he he's get gets a different tap handle every year. We know there's a different label. The the artist is pretty cool. Different trees every year on the label. But what's is the recipe always changing as well? Yeah. So um, yes. The the first to talk about the art. Um, Jim is the artist and and they're. They're watercolors that are that are hand done that are that are put on the labels and they're and they're super amazing and it's a different tree every year, and um, we vary the recipe every year and it's always a secret recipe. So that's that's part of kind of the cool mystique about this brand is, and and for me it was super amazing. Like I came to Anchor just four and a half years ago, but I came from. Um, having a deep reverence for Anchor before that. I actually collected these bottles when I was in high school um, and and in college, and, and it's the the few bottles that I saved from my, <coughs> my overall bottle collection that uh, my stepmom almost recycled uh, were, the, were the Anchor Christmas sales. And and I still have them. I brought them back to the brewery when I when I came there four and a half years wow. ago. So nice. Christmas sale holds a special place in my heart. And, and I was introduced the, to that like right away when I first got there because we start thinking about it in spring. It's, it takes it takes most of the year to plan and execute. So you can't tell us any, there's no secret ingredient you can tell us about. I can no, I can tell you like what uh, probably some some things that are not in here that may have been in Christmas <laughs> ales in the past. Like there's definitely no orange flower water in this. There's no frankincense. Not no myrrh. One of my favorite um, things to do when I was serving when I was behind the bar was uh, when the Christmas ale would come out. Was people would ask, oh, you know, I mean, especially people who've tried the beer for the first time. 
what is it, what's, what's in it. And I can't tell you that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't tell you that. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much our answer is uh, yeah, I, I could tell you, but I don't, I, I can't, um, I'd have to kill you. Um, but it's, it's a closely guarded secret. What we do each year, we definitely um, have to disclose that to the TTB. So there's ways to find out. And we have to, like when we export it to certain countries, we have to tell them exactly what's in it. So it's not like, if you if you were a true cyber sleuth, you could figure it out, right? But the interesting thing about the TTB is that you can say that you're using zero to five pounds of any ingredient. So you can put in some things that you're not going to use. But so- and, and we have to do that because we don't know in formulating it where we're going to end up because you start in the springtime with a couple of test pilot batches and and then you taste it and you might take some things out you might put some things in and um you know we always have a starting point of last year's christmas ale but over the last few years we've really um increased uh our focus on making sure that the beer ages well because we know people age this beer mm-hmm. and taste it in verticals mm-hmm. and that that's a fun thing to do we do it ourselves um so we've we've increased the alcohol i, I don't know if you noticed that but mm-hmm. over the last couple of years it, it went six three it was five five forever right and we went six three six five six nine this year what's the best year you've had I still like that throwback like 1986 is the one that wow. strikes me the hardest because that's like I first toured the brewery in 1987 and when we tasted the 86 versus 87 back then mm-hmm. that's like the one that that had me totally mesmerized by the concept of Christmas ale and I can tell you that this year's definitely has a nod to 86 um it's higher alcohol and it's different ingredients, but but there's a nod, hmm. a wink and a nod. Is that on the label? A nod? Well, <laughs> somewhere. No, I can't tell you where. It is. The, the the numbers one, nine, eight, and six are um, all on there though. Hmm. Because it's pretty. Cool. Sounds very like so, what Illuminati. Was it, what was it last year? You said it's six nine. It's six nine this year. And what was yeah. it last year? Have you been bumping six, it up? Each it year? was six five or six seven last year. I don't right, remember. Because it was five and a half. Six seven. Yeah, yeah. Was, we went from five and a half to six and a half um, in one fell swoop in 2016. We got lucky that Bobby really knows this uh, anchor Christmas and 2017 yeah. After was year after seven. year, it's it's uh, it's a common question: How strong is this beer? Because the flavor is so full. Yeah. yeah. It's you know, and it's surprising to people who've never had it before. What is it? What, I thought it was going to be stronger. Anyways, and I like it. This is a great one, actually. Yeah, this is the highest alcohol it's ever been. So it is the strongest it's ever been. But it's it, it'll be interesting, really, to taste that vertical this year of of 2015, 16, 17, and 18. If you did how, how far back do you, do you keep? I you know is it like a five it, that's years? That's a ten good years? question because it, ten years is too much, uh, in my opinion. I've tasted oh, I tasted a 2010 that. in 2016 that was in great shape and it was beautiful, um, but I've had five year old ones that are. Eh, we recommend no more than three years, hmm. so we recommend a four year vertical. Like mm-hmm. do that 15, 16, 17, 18 this year. Boom, great. Um, and then you you know it's it's that's nice. Um, you could throw in the 14 if you wanted to, but it's going to be towards the end of its life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
14 was uh, a real potpourri of spices too so it's it's in- aging interestingly um, and there's going to be bottle to bottle variation because of I mean anytime you age beer the, the enemies of beer are heat light time and air um, and um, you know you can control the heat and the light with storing dark and cool um, time you can't control unless you have a time machine <laughs> we're working on that. Bobby does. Um, and and air air is a variability. We have um, Kirk really, Struble wants part really good bottling technology, but you know ultimately a bottle has a crown on it, and that crown lets air in over time, mm-hmm. and so aeration oxidation will happen, and and that's the enemy. That's the worst. I mean, it's just air and time are are the the two things. We've had some beers brought by. Um, and found some beers that were in storage that are very, very old. Um, I had a guy bring back the, the 86, that vaunted 86. Wow. There was a guy who contacted us, and he had found it in his grandfather's basement when he was moving out um, after his grandfather passed, which is you know, a sad story. And he's like, I got the case of this beer. I want to bring it by the brewery. Do you guys want to taste it? And it's 86 Christmas ale. And, I, and this was in 2016, so it was 30 years old. And... Wow. And I was like, sure, bring it. I know it's going to be terrible, but but that was a beer that <laughs> that you know it, it. I still have that bottle, right? And right. I still have actually some of my collection is is full bottles wow. that have been sitting just getting cooked over time. But but he brought these back, and they had been stored in a cool dark place in the basement. And who has a basement in San Francisco, by the way? Nobody. Nobody. Um, but um, they tasted like. Um, Sherry in a glass that had been lined with shoe polish and then <laughs> left out all night, and then your grandma put her cigarette out in it, and so it, it had that it had that tar, ash, shoe polish, dirty dishwater, all those wow. things all at once. Amazing, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, super overwhelming though. Yeah, yeah, we drank it. Yeah. <laughs> All of it. Would you, guys, <laughs> would you guys ever consider canning Christmas ale? No. Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I can't see Christmas ale in a can, but that's an interesting concept. I mean, we just put Anchor Steam in a can for the first time this year. Yeah. So it's in a 19.2-ounce can. I yeah. don't know if you've seen it. It's mm-hmm. a freaking beautiful yeah. can. It's yeah. like this vision of this giant anchor on a can is what I had for, for that, and we, we nailed it. Um Christmas ale in a can. Interesting concept. Jen, uh, you just asked on break, you asked a question about the pilot tap and the tap room. Yeah, so I was having a conversation, thinking about, um, you know, some of the more, the older breweries who were, you know, innovating decades ago. And, you know, now everything moves so quickly. Um, And I was talking to uh, one of my reps uh, over at Victory, and we were talking about how a lot of the older breweries, you guys, you're so big that... In order to, you know, to stay with whatever the trends are that's happening, it's almost so much more is required of you than, than say, a smaller brewery who could just brew a single batch of something. It's like 20 kegs. Who cares? They're going to either sell it or pour it at their tap room or whatever. Whereas these bigger breweries that are more iconic, it's, you know, like test marketing and test recipes. And by the time from start to finish, it could take you six months or a year to get something out into the market. And by then the trend has moved on. So do you feel like the the pilot system and the tap room and stuff like that has allowed you guys to like, in you know, start innovating again in that 
you know, just yeah, kind of it, reckless way. It definitely, it definitely helps because yeah, we, we couldn't do that kind of what you call reckless innovation. We couldn't do that. We, uh, making a hundred barrels, a hundred barrels is right. 200 kegs. Right. And even one-offs and we tried some, we did, we did an, we did a, an Oktoberfest a couple of years ago for San Francisco draft only made one brew. 220 kegs is what we got out of it. We didn't sell them all. And, mm. and you know, you got a tight window on Oktoberfest anyway. We yeah. sold half of them, and then we, we bled the rest out. But it got old, and we dumped it, you know. And, and it's, you don't want that. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't innovate that way on a big scale. Yeah. And Scott, do you brew everything on Potrero Hill in San Francisco? Yeah, we have one brewery. Well, we have now the Pilot Brewery, which is also on Potrero Hill. It's right next door. So, I mean, we have one facility when we're not all that big, but we have a big brew size. Like mm-hmm. 100 barrels is a big brew size. Yeah. And Anchor never had a pilot brewery it, until I got there. Actually, they had already like bought the thing before I showed up and and it was like one of my new toys. And we bought a Sabco Brew Magic 10-gallon like a glorified homebrew kit that cost Five thousand dollars, or even more than that, probably. I don't know. Look it up, sabco.com. Um, but uh, <laughs> quick plug. Yeah. Well, actually, go, to, go back to the Christmas Hill Anchor Brewing on the website. There's actually a really great uh, collection of the photos of all the beer labels from Christmas sales. Yeah. That that was pretty neat. I, I really like seeing. Yeah, that. And we have them in the in the brewery. Um, we have every Christmas sale ever in a in a display case. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Let's let's, uh, let's pop another beer. I know you brought a couple others. Oh yeah, well it leads right into kind of. Uh, I, I don't feel like I fully answered your question, but the the tap room and the and the pilot brewery allows us to innovate and make new things at a much quicker pace. So we're releasing a new beer there every week. And some of them are going to stick. Some are going to be failures. And they're much smaller sampler size, right? We have a seven-barrel pilot brewery. We had this little 10-gallon thing that we would you know, develop a Christmas sale on, but we couldn't sell that and get customer feedback. But we got customer feedback now because we have, for the first time ever, an open bar to the public where we brew these new beers. And I've got right here with me if you could pass me that um the first beer to graduate from that program so um we made a whole bunch of different ipas like imagine that but that's what people want people Um, drink ipas people yeah they they (laughs) want and and hazy ipas were kind of all the rage right when we opened and still kind of are and so we made a bunch of hazy ipas and then we made one that was not so hazy, and we really liked it. Um, and we actually named it Pineapple Express when we <laughs> when when it came out last spring, um, because it had this like amazing aroma of when you open one of those little cans of pineapple juice, like that's what it smelled like. Oh wow! And uh, here you go. Let's pour that around. That's great. Um, we're gonna sip, sip on this, and then Kirk. Uh, we're going to come back, and you're going to tell us what other pe- what people are drinking at your places because um, you got 4th Avenue Pub and, and, and a few other great bars. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, it's October 23rd, 2018. We're grooving into fall here in New York, and we got to taste the Anchor Christmas Ale with uh, the brewer from Anchor, Scott, man. And you just t- tasted us one of your new pilot batches of uh, special IPAs. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so... Um as I was saying, we, we called it Pineapple Express when it, when it first came out back in March because that was the storm that was bearing down on California at the time. That's those, those storms that come up out of, uh, out of the South Pacific and just dump a bunch of rain. And, and we had this pineapple aroma in this beer. And it actually is not a hazy IPA. It's, it's quite, uh, quite bright, medium bright, anyway. Um, <laughs> the one we're looking at. And... Uh, we knew we had to change the name, and we came up with the name of Fogbreaker because this was breaking through the fog, breaking through the haze, right? And yeah. um, we are in San Francisco on Potrero Hill. We're basically the sunniest place in the city. We are the place where the fog first breaks th- free, and we felt like this was kind of leaning itself into the, the heritage of, of the place we're from, and uh, it's a super delicious IPA. Uh, we use a Citra Cryo hop in here, amongst some other hops, that really bangs that kind of pineapple note and uh, and some citrus, too. I, I like this beer. Scott, I think it's really great that you're, you're so into the heritage of, of your beer and your brand, and um, it's really great hearing about it. Let's just hear from uh, our bar owners here. Uh, Kirk, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little more about Anchor, some of the and other, other beers that you're moving right now. W- what's going on in... Well, I, actually, a, a, a beer that um, that I'm pouring still actually at uh, Fourth Avenue Pub is called Second Favorite. It's a beer I got a chance to brew with these two fine folks here, Jen and Bobby. We brewed at uh, at Captain Lawrence, and it's an American pale ale. Uh, there's some cryo in it, you know. We cryoed it up, <laughs> but um, more than anything, it was a you know a fun thing to do with two of my you know best uh, best friends here in Absolutely. the beer biz. And, and you uh, guys have a very cool thing going on. I mean, I I, I, I think I've had you on the show before together. <laughs> We've hung we out. That th- that we definitely have a bromance, the three of us. Yeah. Even though I'm a girl. Yes. <laughs> but I, I like this beer, and and Bob, I'm still so impressed that you've got what since 1997 every Anchor Christmas Ale tap handle. And and uh, I will say this: the fog, this is my first taste of the fog breaker, and it's West Coast, mm-hmm. which I love. That just that classic West Coast, and it's classic anchor. Yeah, it it definitely has that anchor profile. Mm-hmm. So, what yeah. makes it the anchor profile? Um, you know, as a brewer, for me, it starts with brew beer you want to drink, and so anchors always had that. And drinkability is that part of that profile. Balance, you know. Don't don't get too extreme on one note or the other. Make sure if you're. I mean, even this is a it's a big, pretty badass IPA, but it's still balanced. It's crisp. It's drinkable. Hmm. And and we try to do that with every beer we make. Even our barrel aged things that are at nine ten percent, balanced, mm-hmm. balanced in the notes, so that you can still drink the beer yeah there's a brightness to most anchor beers i think that you don't find in a lot of other breweries like even the steam beer before that was i hadn't had steam beer in quite a while either i haven't either and i was taken aback by i had forgotten just how bright steam beer is like it's it's malt forward but it's not cloying it's not sweet it's you get that breadiness but there's such a brightness and a crispness to it 
that you're like, oh, I, you yeah. forget that you're actually not drinking you're, a pale ale. You're talking ale about or, balance. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing is they, we like to eat. I think all humans do, really. But um, beer and food. And these beers pair great with food. All of them. And we think about that. It's something we talk about. And we, we actively discuss in the beer making process. Like, how do we make these beers? It, it, having the end in, in mind, I think, is really important. Jen, how, how would you go about, if, if there's a beer that you really liked from this tasting, mm-hmm. would you go back and order it? For the season, or for the, how do you order your beers? Because you don't change your lines all the time, do you? No, I uh, I have a I have a weird system of you know some of my lines are just one and done, and that's for more of the uh, the esoteric stuff or the seasonal stuff, or you know if it's an Oktoberfest or a, a you know Christmas beer or something like that, I'll just order one keg and put it on. Something like an IPA or a pale ale or a pilsner, I will actually run for a longer stretch. Um, and that's because I, I used to do shorter runs. And what I found is the customers at the Spring Lounge actually like to drink the same thing over and over again. <laughs> as opposed to, you know, some of the other bars like, you know, the Blind Tiger, for example, everyone, they want to know what's the new hot thing. What's, be, you know, what's the most innovative thing right now. Um my customers, if you give them something that they like and then take it away four days later, they get really mad. So, so something like an IPA. I'm, I'm like, like that too. I go on a roll and, you know, and I want to drink at least the same beer from or a beer from the same brewery if I'm getting into. Them. Yeah, absolutely. And so we definitely have, um, you know, so like IPAs and pilsners. I'll do runs of three or four weeks, you know, where I'll leave the same beer on. Um, a lot of times I definitely have my go-to breweries that I pour all the time. You can almost, you know, always find some of, and, and a lot of them are the more classic breweries because I do kind of believe in, um, you know, we all came up in this industry together. And even though there's a lot of new guys doing new fun things, we also have to support the people who started the business, yeah. you know, and carve that path for them. No, cheers to you. And that's you guys, too. And Bobby, so you, you like this beer, don't you? Fogbreaker. Yeah, it's just um, nodding while... Uh, I saw you I was nodding. listening, but... Jen, but I was nodding. <laughs> uh, again, it's just, it's it's a classic, you know, old school, West Coast, and completely brand-specific IPA. Yeah. And you were saying drinkable. It's, it's what turned me on to steam. Uh, way back when, and Liberty Ale, which, you know, Kirk and I can both, we were talking before we came in here about our, our mad desire for Liberty Ale and where, where we could find it. That's where we were. Where we were. You really had that conversation? We did. I mean, yeah. Liberty Ale, Liberty Ale is one of those, one of those beers that it's, I mean, steam as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's a beer, it's a beer in the, back in the, or in the early days of discovering craft beer where it's, wow, beer can be flavorful. Mm-hmm. You know, beer can present a spectrum. And I grew up with cans of Narragansett and peels and whatever we could get our hands on. But this is, you know, this was the next, this is the next, the next move. Can you do a, a New England accent? <laughs> Come on, Bobby. <laughs> a couple more beers, Jimmy, and I'm in. We'll get you. We'll get you in Massachusetts. Start talking Red Sox, and I'm in. You know, <laughs> Anchor Anchor Christmas was is was also that same thing on a lot of levels. Like for me, Anchor Christmas was the first. 
um, or one of the first darker beers that I had ever had that, you know, besides Guinness, which I actually, you know, didn't, I wasn't much of a beer drinker when I was younger and I didn't really like Guinness and everyone was like, oh, if you don't like Bud, here, have a Guinness. And I didn't like that either. But I remember uh, Sam Smith, Taddy Porter and mm-hmm. Anchor Christmas were yeah. really the first two dark beers that I had that I was like, oh, huh. These are interesting. Maybe I like beer after all, and that led me down the road of trying trying some Belgians. You know, like I uh, all of a sudden I was drinking Chimay Grand Reserve, and it just opened up a new doorway for me. Um, that I don't think anyone of our generation, anyway, I don't think you can have that conversation without Anchor being a part of it on yeah, some we're, level. We're a gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like hearing you know your backstory on Fritz Maytag and. You know, it's definitely a story that we could hear a, a lot more of. So this is the, the fog breaker. Did you bring another beer too? Um, we yes. do have we do have one more in there. We have the Citra Pale, right? Um, so Something we from the stash. Yeah. You talked about Liberty Ale. We didn't bring Liberty Ale, but Liberty Ale is an important beer um, in the history of beer making in in America, not just in California, but and and actually worldwide. Um, Liberty Ale is such an important beer because it introduced dry hopping, right? Um, and because we had Liberty Ale, we never made an IPA until 2013, mm-hmm. and then we never na- made another pale ale until this year. And we made a pale ale called the Brewer's Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. And the concept was very simple. Um, ask the brewers, what do they want to make? And they want to make a beer that they want to drink. Um, and, and brewers um, drink all day. That's just what they do. You know, not not excessively, but they, I mean, they quality first, control. Yeah, first beer break is is right around uh, 10 a.m. for those guys who come in at five. Um, and you like that, Bobby? That's, that's, Somewhere that's, out there, there's a 16 year old planning I mean, his career path yeah, now. Exactly, <laughs> but it's bar owners. Too, yeah, right? no, I I, like, I, I get that. And so like, nah, so I mean, a beer, so a beer that you can drink all day is a concept that that. Brewers have in mind, and you know Is we that love breakfast, Bobby. We love bre- <laughs> we love Liberty Ale, um, and we love our IPAs. But we wanted a pale ale that really spoke to spoke to the folks, spoke to the people who make it, and they designed a crisp and eminently drinkable pale ale. Dry hopped um, much more aggressively than um, our Liberty Ale, and uh, there's another one you can open there. Mm. Yeah, it's good. That that looked like a small Scott. Uh, stepping back, so the samples that we're we're, we're, we're tasting, uh, where are they from? Did you bring them from the West Coast? You got them from your distributor? This one is from the brewery because it's not even out yet. Um, because we we made Brewer's Pale Ale earlier in the year, and we made it with the Nelson blend. And one of the things about this, the other thing that the brewers wanted to do was rotate the hops. Because, you know, like you said, you get on a roll with a beer for a while, and then you want something new, and you want to change it up. And so the concept with this series of beers is Brewers Pale Ale and focus on a different hop and create a blend. So we did the Nelson Hop Blend as our first release. And you may have seen that out there. It came out in like yeah, February. Um, and now, um, roughly six, seven months later, we came out with 
the next blend, and the next blend is a citra blend. And so it's, it's bright and citrusy, super crisp and drinkable. Uh, it's, a, it's a daytime crusher. I mean, that's what this, this beer was made by brewers for beer drinkers. For core brewers, really, yeah. but I mean, made for but, crushing, yeah. yeah, and and super hop forward in a bright and um, interesting way. The Nelson one was super, like it just it spoke Nelson. It wasn't just Nelson, um, and the Nelson hop, if you're not familiar with it, is is Nelson Savon, which is um, the Nelson is a city. It's on the north part of the South Island of New Zealand, and it is in the Marlboro region where they grow all the Sauvignon Blanc grapes um, for the big Sauvignon Blanc industry down there. And this hop is called Nelson Savon because it has those aromatics. It has that grapefruit and all that. Anyway, this is not this beer. This is a citra blend. <laughs> uh, and the citra blend, and citra is is a hop from the American Northwest. And so we've, we've went south hemisphere north hemisphere the next blend is going to be back down to the southern hemisphere we're going to do galaxy oh cool um so we're happy about we just got our galaxy hops in so kirk we're already thinking about the cool meeting scott the the brewer from anchor yes i've waited my whole life for this (laughs) no seriously no it's great i actually met one of your uh i think your assistant brewer trying to think of his name tom riley's assistant brewmaster tom yeah tom is tom's amazing tom's yeah. been at anchor um since 1984 yeah yeah he started he, there i had lunch with him like we just kind of struck up a conversation at the bar my, my girlfriend and i and uh then we went to the public taps and he was there and sat down with him and just yeah. you know tom's chewed tom's, the fat it was great tom grew up on potrero hill yeah wow. his mom worked at the brewery wow. he started in production like right out of high school wow and yeah he didn't tell me all he's, that he's he's been at anchor <laughs> he's he's like he's he's so solid like he's my you could say my, he's anchored there yeah but he's <laughs> he's my he's my true I'm link to, to true true link to all the anchor history and he was a brewer forever and then he ran fermentation and now he's the assistant brewmaster which means basically he does he runs the whole show yeah, production side on on brewing from from raw materials in through you know mashing, laddering, brewing, um, and fermentation and filtration and everything. He gets he turns malt into beer. Mm-hmm. I only talk to top people. Let me go. No underlings. You're the top guy, Kirk. Yeah, we love you, man. Tell us how many how many bars you have now. Are you affiliated with uh, eight? Just tell us. Give the run through the names. Um, Fourth Avenue Pub, Amsterdam Ale House, Third Avenue Ale House. Um, I have a place in Tribeca called 1803. Um, we also have uh, that takes Fulton, me back, man. Yeah, the, remember that year? Um, the Fulton Grand, <laughs> um, the Evergreen. Fine Time and Union Street Pub. And he remembered them all. Listen to that. Yeah, I mean, I still had to use my hands to <laughs> count them all. Well, you guys have been legends of the bar scene. And uh, to me, you're special at Goober Seal Award-winning bar owners. And uh, thanks for coming on and talking with, uh, with Scott. I, I, Jen, I know you have another question for him because you, you have some I always great have, questions. I always, I always have so many questions because I'm questions. really fascinated about it. So uh, what are you excited about? You know, it's... Uh, 
the trends come and go. Like Kirk and I were just talking last week about how everyone's moving like so far away from the juicy IPA spectrum that now everyone's bringing brute IPAs, which on the West Coast I know are, are very big right now. Um, but so with all the, the trends coming and going, what are you excited about personally with experimenting with? That's interesting that you, you asked that question because I we were we were just at Fifth Hammer. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Before yeah. here. And, doing good they, stuff. and they had a brewed IPA. Um, okay. And it was delicious. Yeah. Um, shout out to Chris at, at, um, at Fifth Hammer. Um, the brewed IPA, you know, we got really excited about it and we made a couple. And it's interesting, but they have not been our fastest movers at, mm-hmm. at, at our in our particular space, right? And that's, it's a unique crowd. Mm -hmm. We get maybe half tourists, um, a lot of neighborhood folks. Um, The neighborhood's growing around us. They're building condos. We'll be getting a lot more neighborhood folks in the future, so we'll get more of a handle on that. But we definitely get a lot of tourists. And, And our, like, what we see at, at our pilot tap, uh, at our pilot brewery, our public taps, um, is definitely a lot of interest in anything hazy. Um, but we, when we put out a lager, <laughs> that kills it too. Yeah. I mean, we have yeah. already California lager, which is a, a delicious, multi full bodied lager. But if we put a second lager next to it, a Pilsner, bam, it's gone. Wow. And the Tap House Fest beer that we just put out for for Oktoberfest, flying. Um, so it's, you know, I think there's a real interest in drinkable beers, like like what you said, returning to the classics, and also just just give me a beer I can drink, Scott. You know, yeah. quick uh, wrap it up. Um, you went to Fifth Hammer in yeah. Queens. Where else have you been in New York City? I just or, flew in yesterday. How, how did afternoon. you get introduced to Chris Kuzme and, and how did you find him? Um, Tegan introduced me, <laughs> and it wasn't from her; it was from somebody else. But Chris was—he um, was recommended. I don't—I don't even know how I got introduced, but I did. Um, and they, Chris and Mary, were awesome. Um, he was walking and, around wearing a Kuzme shirt, and you're yeah. like, "You must be Kuzme." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're no. definitely making a mark as a new brewery in New York City. Yeah, yeah everyone's going there. We—I mean—they have. They have a podcast, so they're competing with you. Um, but they, <laughs> but they are. Um, that's why we're meant about. It. We're that, on the same. Fomen about, about it. Friends. Yeah, fomen yeah. about it. Yeah, which was fun to say. Um, but uh, so they, you were there recording a podcast too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you didn't say that. Oh, no, that's oh, well. I said I was there. I didn't. Uh, yes, I didn't want to. I know we know you're on a big media tour, and it's it's kind of cool. We don't usually do this, but you guys reached out, and we said. Yeah. We wanted you to come into no, we the did, city. And, and yeah, and I met with some some other folks on a podcast yesterday at Treadwell Park. Um, oh, cool. and that was that was fun. Um, I should remember the name of the podcast, but right now like this, you can po- this, we'll put, we post it on fa- this, on Instagram. This, you can yeah. uh, was yeah. Anna join ho- in. Was Anne the host? Or no, was it was John it? Hall and Augie. It's probably uh, Steal This Beer. Oh, so. oh, yeah, yeah, Steal This yeah. Beer. That's yeah. what there, it was. There are there buddies, there, too. Our there, producer, there Justin go. Kennedy, produces Steal that, too. Steal This so. Beer. We're all I'm friends, glad man. I remembered the name. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, 
bouncing around town talking to people about beer drinking beer and talking about beer is like I told Tegan earlier today this is my one and only skill you're a great man <laughs> you're a good talker and you're so and Bobby anything else you want to say yeah actually I brought a uh, I don't know how much time we have left but the beer I brought is uh, I didn't make Kirk's 4th Avenue Pub 12th anniversary I you brought a bastard. 2005 a couple of 2005 bottles of Sierra Bigfoot Oh, that's very nice. Right around that time you yeah, opened. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it was where we, I think we're hitting. Six, but yeah, yeah, I know. You were thinking about the place yeah. in 2005. So that's what I was thinking about. It's beautiful. And we're going to we're going to see I love what, you guys we're really love each other, man. So 12th, Kirk, you celebrated 12 years at We did. Fourth yeah, Avenue October. Pub. Yeah. Was, and Bobby uh, brought Sierra Bigfoot ago. 2005. So, guys, we're going to close out with that. B- big thanks to everybody. Producer Justin Kennedy, who also produces Steelers Beer. Um, engineer uh, Matt Patterson. Uh, our, our intern, Dylan. I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio. We'll catch you next time. Keep checking us out. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Woo! <laughs>